Acts chapter 9, we're going to finish, we finally will finish this chapter, and it kills me to finish this chapter, because there's two or three more messages in this chapter that I didn't want to go forward on, but I, I got to keep up. Sunday school teachers, you'll have new material coming out, Bible Study Life Group. I call it Bible Study Life Group. Um, half the church from old days calls it Sunday school, and we tried to modify it sometime, we're going to call it Life Group, just shorten it, call it Life Group. There's a place for you in Bible study, your age group, at 9, 9.30. By the way, do me a favor, would you go in, did you get a bulletin today? I, need, I really need this, honestly, from all of you. Well, not from all of you. All of you that came to Sunday School, Bible Study Life Group, or uh, Life Group, if you came, would you tear off the bulletin and write, I hate 9.30 or I love the 9.30 time, all right? Hate or love. No in between. No, nobody's like, oh, it's okay with me. It's hate or love it. Because we switched from 9 o'clock to 9.30 so that people that were late would come and have an opportunity to come to Bible Study. But we feel rushed. I feel rushed. Like it starts and it's over. And uh, so just tell me if you love it or hate it, 9.30 start. If you didn't come, don't vote, okay? I don't care what you think because you didn't come. You're not coming anyway if we started at 12. But if you come to Bible study at 9.30, say I love it or hate it, the new time. 9.30 to 10.15 is the new time. We had previously gone from 9 to 10 and had the 30-minute window between the services. Um, so let me know what you think because um, I hate it, just for record, but I'll do what the church wants to do. But you got to vote today. And if you didn't come, I know who come. I'm going to check the attendance sheets. And if you vote and, don't, and you're not on the attendance sheet, I'm calling you out next Sunday from the pulpit right here. All right? Don't vote if you didn't come. I'm checking attendance. All right? Chris, got a note? You're going to check the votes and attendance. All right? All right. Don't vote if you didn't come. I want to know from the church, obviously, because here's what God's done with the new church. We'll see the New Testament church as well. Jesus Christ is the head of the church. Would you agree with that? That's a big what? Amen. All right? And then he left the church here. In this time of the early church, they had a special group of people called the apostles. Apostles. These men had to see the Lord Jesus Christ while he was living. And these men, there were special qualifications for an apostle. We know that Judas was an apostle. He was one of the twelve. And, of course, he, he betrays Christ and he commits suicide. And then they chose another one, Matthias. Well, we know there's twelve apostles that came about. And Barnabas was an apostle as well. When you come in here, his, his name, the apostle... It's mentioned in the Bible. And Paul was an apostle. And the word apostle, little a, means the messenger of God, someone who is sent by God. So in a real sense, all of us are apostles, if you want to use that title. We're sent by God to give the gospel out. We also use this word we don't use. We've kind of isolated to the professionals, ministers of the gospel. We're all been called as ministers of the gospel if we've been saved. If we've been born again, God has called us to go out and give the gospel out. We're all ministers. If somebody says, are you a minister of the gospel? You go, no, no, no. Our pastor is. You change the word. The minister is actually the one who proclaims the, the, uh, the evangel, the one who actually preaches the good news. This is actually the evangelist is you who actually goes up and preaches the gospel. It's all of our responsibilities to give out the gospel. Now, there's people who are called. I've been called vocationally full-time into the ministry. I came kicking and screaming. You can ask my wife and you can ask my family. It was something that, it was not anything on my highlight reel that I wanted to do in life. It was not on my bucket list. But God has called the people in, his, in our lives and in the early church, God called the people that he wanted to appoint for this, this, and this. And I hope that you see as we go through the book of Acts, I hope that you can find yourself in this storyline, somewhere in these nine chapters so far, young people, find yourself, because there's young people in the story, there's middle-aged people in the story, there's business people in the story, there's senior adults in the story. All of us can find ourselves somewhere in the story. But today, let me share this with you. If someone calls themselves the Apostle Clint Smith, 
be weary of that person. Capital A, there are no apostles because I have not seen Jesus Christ alive today. I do not qualify, according to the book of Acts, I do not qualify as a capital A apostle. I cannot call fire from heaven. I cannot raise the dead unless God tells me to do it. Do you understand? And that's the power of the Holy Spirit. Any of us come to the place, I believe in miraculous healings. And y'all know Wendy. We prayed for Wendy, and I believe Wendy was miraculously healed. And it was not because of anything that happened outside of the church, or even her doctor was very good, but it happened because of prayer. The diagnosis was not good, and the outcome was very good. She's within a week or two of striking, of being healed. She's back bugging me and doing her own stuff at the house and won't let me serve her no more, and she's washing clothes. And I, you older ladies, come and encourage her to slow it down because I told her her train's not stopped at the depot yet. But she's feeling better. She's laughing, and she's getting up and out. And those are things that we can only give God the credit for. To God be the glory. But I can't walk around like Peter. We're going to see Peter just cruising into town. He's going to walk up on a man who's been paralyzed for eight years. He's going to walk up on a dead lady uh, who actually has been serving the, the church. And he's going to bring about something that we, it blows our mind to think about. But don't forget this before we get into the notes. Every time there's a miracle of God in Scripture, God is trying to scream a message to you and to me. Listen, look, that I might receive the glory. Do you understand? Let me tell you a story real quick before I get into the sermon. You might be searching. I don't know where you are on God's radar today. Your little blip over here, blip, blip, blip. You ever seen a radar screen? Well, in the military, we use the radar all the time to actually see who the bad guys and the good guys were. Where are they? Are they out there looking for us? Well, God was looking for me, and, and God was calling me. And the Bible says you can't come to God unless you, he calls you, draws you to himself. And I was struggling. I was not a Christian. I was a Baptist. I've been baptized. I, was, I, I had all the credentials. I had the King James Bible verses memorized. But I was not a Christian until I gave my heart and life to the Lord Jesus Christ at the age of 21. Well, how'd that happen? Something started to stir inside of me, and I started saying, God, if you're really real, you got to make yourself known to me. I had a near-death experience in the, in the Caribbean, long story. At nighttime in the stormy seas, it was, a, it was a death sentence is what it should have been. I should not have made it out. But God was working in my life. I said, God, you get me out of this, I'll do whatever you want me to do. And I'm walking in a place called, I don't even know what it is, I can't even put my finger on it in a map. It's called Earl, New Jersey. If any Yankees know where that is, I'm just kidding. If you know where Earl, New Jersey is, it's a loading ammunition. We had to port way out the ship, way out in the port, and you walk forever, it seems like, on this port, on this pier, get the land, and of course we went into the, the city. And my friend was wanting to go out party and celebrate his birthday, and I was like, man, I, I'm not doing any of that stuff. I'm, I'm in a... I didn't know what I was in for. I was in a journey. I didn't know it. And my friend, I said, I said I'll go with you, but I'm just going to eat and come back to the chef. He says, I understand. Well, he goes and drinks things that make him uh, not uh, coherent. And he left me, and I had no money. I was sending all my money home to Wendy, direct deposit. That was a bad word in the military. Everybody was like, you going out? I was like, no, I, all my money goes direct deposit. That's why I send it all back home. I had no money. I, never, I still don't carry money. I still do direct deposit. But, so I was stuck, and I'm, I'm having this, uh, this crisis of belief. Is God really real? And you might be there today because you've been in church. Listen, church kids, unfortunately, y'all, y'all are in the worst-case scenario because you've heard the truth. You, it's kind of had, you've had your shots, if you will, your vaccinations throughout the life. And then when tough times come, you don't know what to do. So I was struggling. I had my vaccinations. I, I knew the Bible. I knew the King James Bible better than most people because I, I wanted to compete and beat you. There was a Bible, I wanted to beat you in Bible verses. If, if, if there was two Bible verses to memorize, I wanted to memorize them first, and I wanted to say them exactly right, 
so that I could win. It was nothing about the Bible verse, it was about winning. I was competitive my whole life. I come to the place, I'm walking in Earl, New Jersey, and I'm just walking, I'm stuck on the beach, I have no money, I don't know where the ship is, I don't know how to get back. It's nighttime, I know where the coast is, so I'm pretty good there. I was just going to plan to walk the beach until I saw the pier, but I didn't know which way to walk, that way or that way. There's two choices, right? So I'm walking on the beach, and I, I'm, I'm frustrated, and it's pitch black, and the sand up there is black. It's not, it's not like Myrtle Beach or Hilton Head. It's black sand mixed in. And so it's just really a morbid night. Black night, stars are out, trash is blowing all over the beach. And I'm walking, and I'm saying, okay, God, look. Look, if you're real, I don't even know if you're real. And I'm having this internal struggle. If you're really real, God, look, people have told me about you. I've heard about you my whole life. But right now, here's what I need you. I know it's simple, but I'm stranded somewhere in the middle of somewhere, and I'm fighting this internal fight. I don't know what to do. And I said this, and God's not going to do this for you because he did it for me. Every situation, he's not going to cause a burning bush for me, right? That was for Moses. Got it? I'm not going to build an ark because that was for Noah. And this situation was for me, so don't say, hey, like Pastor Clint, God, let me do this. Because when I tell you this, it's going to be hard for you to believe what happened. I'm walking. I'm the only person on the beach. I'm walking. I don't know where I am. I'm going this way whatever that way was, I was going. And I said, God, look, I am so struggling. If you're real, I don't even know if you're real. I've heard it my whole life. I don't even know if you're real. But God, if you're really real, I need to get back to the ship. It's going to take about five bucks to get into a cab because there's cabs moving around. If you're really real, Lord, make five dollars blow up on my shoe. How stupid is that, okay? But that's what I said. It's a windy night, trash is moving around. Make five dollars blow up on my shoe. And when I said shoe, I stepped like this. And I sat on a piece of trash, and it flapped over my shoe, over my shoestrings. And I looked down, guess what I was standing on? I was standing on a $5 bill. Of course, I reached down and picked it up, and I looked down, and I'm like, man, my friends are in here somewhere playing a prank on me. Somebody heard my, I was talking out loud. Someone heard me and kind of slid it, and then I started rationalizing. There's no one could have slid that that fast. The wind's blowing. Who was it that put that $5 on my shoe? Time I said, Lord, let $5 blow up on my shoe. I know it's hard for you to believe this, but it was the Lord. Not only that, I took the $5, I'm like, good grief, now i got to go find a cab. I walk up on the boardwalk, get off the beach, and go up to the top to see if anybody there's a cab stop or anything, because I'm not from New Jersey. And guess what's sitting right at the top of the pier? No one's in sight. There's, nobody on the, there's no boardwalk like carnivals, rides, and nothing like that. There's just a cabbie sitting there, and I knock on his window, and he goes, oh, I scared him. And I said, hey, man, I'm one of the sailors on the USS Peterson. I need to get back to the, to the ship. I said, how much would it cost me to get back to the ship? And guess what his answer was? $5. I got $5. I said, look, that's all I got is $5. He said, that's all it's going to take. He drives me to the pier. I pay him the $5. Go back. I lay in my bunk. Can you imagine what I'm thinking? Now I've got an obligation because God, all I asked him was to show himself to me, right? And he showed me in my immediate need. What was my immediate need? It wasn't $500,000, it was $5 to get back to the ship. That's all I was focused on, because I had no other communication, no other no cell phones back then. And so when I laid there, I started thinking, okay, I'm going to get back to the port. When we get back to port in Norfolk, I'm going to go to church. And I told Wendy, hey, I'm going to church, I made a deal with God. Long story short, that's how I became a Christian. I got saved after two or three times going to church, because the pastors kept preaching about hell. And it made me scared and mad at the same time. Then I became a Christian, and of course God, with all that information that I had, knowledge, it was knowledge of book knowledge of Scripture, it turned into what? 
wisdom. It went into my heart, and now it actually went from my head to my heart, and now I was telling everybody about Jesus Christ. Then we got to the point, because I didn't get to go to Bible school when I was, because uh, I wouldn't focus on ministry, I was focused on just being a servant. They would call me sometimes ignorance on fire. I was like, well, that's insulting, but all I did was want to tell people about Jesus. I tell everybody about Jesus because he saved me, and he's real. And by the way, I'm telling you today, he's real. Let's read and look at the Word of God. Peter was that same guy. Did he deny Christ? Did he deny Christ like Judas? Judas made some cash out of it. Peter just did it for free, right? Judas at least was smart enough to be getting money out of the deal. But Judas, did, did Judas come to the place of feeling sorrowful? Yes, he did. Because he hung himself. He was so depressed. Nobody can save me out of this mess. I am so low. I've done the worst thing on the planet. And he commits suicide. But also, did Peter feel depressed in all the same emotions? I betrayed the Lord Jesus Christ, the one I said I'd never betray him. I betrayed him three times. I betrayed him with a curse. And what did God do? What did Jesus Christ do when he's out fishing afterwards, when the resurrection, he comes back? How many times did Jesus restore Peter? Have you ever read that? Peter, feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. Feed my lambs. He comes to the place, he restored him 100%. And friend, listen, I don't know where you are in your life today, how much sin you build up, or where you are if you've never accepted Christ. It's in your head that you know that you must be saved, but it's not in your heart. Listen, I want to share with you, he'll forgive you. He'll forgive you. You sinned a thousand times, there's a thousand times of forgiveness. Now, it's only one time forgiveness, but we keep count. God doesn't. God's up in heaven drawing you, saying, come to me. Come to me. Here's this man named Peter. He comes to Christ, and what happens? We call him the Apostle Peter, but we get hung up on titles in the church today too, don't we? Don't we? Who comes to the place, you would think the Bible says, and the apostle, right, Reverend Dr. Peter, would have all these titles. That's not what he says. Guess what? The, this is what Luke, Dr. Luke, it doesn't say Dr. Luke, it just says Luke. Guess what Luke calls him? Peter. <laughs> we, we call him the apostle Peter or Saint Peter. We name basilicas and things like that after him now. We call him Saint Peter. He wasn't much like a saint whenever he first started, was he? He was a motor mouth. He had peppermint toes. He was always sticking them in his mouth, right? Let's look and see. This is an awesome word from the Lord today. Verse 31, Acts chapter 9. And then the churches throughout all of Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and were edified. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they were multiplied. Look at your notes, if you would. In a culture which celebrates almost everything sinful, it can be difficult to stay focused on what matters. Is that true? Y'all watch the news just a little bit, you see... Good grief. Anything that's wrong, society's called it right. And everything that seems right, society has called it wrong. And if you don't agree with them, well, they try to shame you to, sh to shut up or be quiet. But listen, we won't shut up, back up. We're not going to put up with this mess either. We're going to preach Jesus Christ until he comes. Amen? Somebody said, Pastor, that's going to get you locked up. I'm willing. Do I want to go to jail? No, because I know what's going to happen when I get in jail. I know the type of folks and characters that are in jail. There's a strong problem probability I'll die in jail, right, if I go to jail. And, and if you're an adult, you know reasons why. I'm not, it's not going to happen. Um, holy living matters. Does it matter to God? Does it matter to your brother and sister sitting beside you? Look left and right of you. Look behind you and around you. Does it matter to your spouse that you live holy and righteously? Does it matter to your children that you live righteously? Does it matter to your parents' children that you live righteously? 
If you go to the Proverbs, it says a son can be shameful to his father and to his mother. A daughter can bring shame to her family. And it's choices that we make, and we must understand in the early church as well as in today's church, when you make a choice to sin against the Holy God, listen, there's consequences to your sin. And you grandmas, let me tell you a story too, and I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Don't get caught up blaming society and everything else. My boy was a good boy. He just, he just is on the wrong path. And he, but he, he goes to church. He loves his grandma. He sings in the choir. He's a good boy. He just likes to run around a little bit. He likes to drink a little on the side. He likes to do all these other things. I know the children are in the room, and I'm trying to be as modest as I possibly can be. But y'all know that grandmother. Y'all know that mother that would make excuses for that son because he's sowing his wild oats. What happens if he gets caught with a bullet or a wrecked car while he's sowing those oats? He's not going to heaven because, listen, the Bible says, you read Galatians chapter 5, it says there are fruits of the flesh and it lists them, and there's fruits of the Spirit and it lists them. We must live according to the Word of God. Holy living matters. Amen? And we've got to come to the place where we quit making excuses. Now, grandpas do it too, and mamas do it, but mamas and grandmamas are the worst. Y'all just want to cover sin. Love covers a multitude of sin. You take that so out of context. It does cover But that's talking about forgiveness. And when you do wrong against me, my job is to forgive you. Well, I'll get you back and then I'll forgive you. That's how we live, right? Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Amen? So love doesn't just cover. And Lord, listen, love can't continue just to cover. We come to that place when it covers. How do I show that I love you? How do I demonstrate that I love you? And we know the truth, but we want to run from the truth. Peter knew the truth. We come to the place that we have... Pastor, they're just straying out there in the, world, in the wilderness. I'm just going to love them, love them back. Okay, I would agree with that. How do you love somebody? If I'm about to step off, what are you gonna, and I don't know what's there, it's pitch black, what am I going to do? And I go to step, what's going to happen? Is anybody going to say, Pastor, stop? There's a step there. Some of you let me fall and laugh at me. And say, Pastor, that was funny. I love you, brother. You know, brother. Some of you would say, stop. It's dark. Look, there's a place. If the place was on fire, and I'm in my office, and you're on security or you're just an average person, pastor, the building's on fire, get out. We show love by confronting the issue. The issue is my life, my sin. I don't show love by covering your sin, looking the other way. We used to go to a, a, a big family gathering, and people would drink stuff other than sweet tea at the gathering. But everybody had a red cup, so you didn't know what anybody else was drinking, so my family could be, my children could be around that family because no one could tell what anybody else was doing. And I didn't like it, but I just took precautions when I was there, watching out and watching for my kids because I am their daddy. And that's my wife, right? But when the family started getting a little looser and we started actually bringing out the bottles where everybody could see the bottles and it wasn't lemonade or it was a type of lemonade, uh, it came to the place we had to make a decision, my wife and I. We won't participate in that because now... Everything's on the out. Your sin now has been outwardly shown to me, and I'm not going to be a part of that. My kids will not be exposed to that. It'll come in due season. They'll have to face those mature decisions when they get older. But not as long as I'm their daddy. Not as long as they're under 18 in my household. Listen, my responsibility is for them. Even as a minister of the gospel says, if I'm not able to manage my own household, how can I manage the household of God? I'm disqualified. And you can ask Bo and McKenzie and Alex. I told them time and time again, don't you disqualify me from the ministry. Because if I lose my ministry because of you, I will go ahead and lose it and kill you. Right? 
Because God's called me to the ministry. He's called our family to the ministry. When they get 18 and older, get on their own in college, hey, listen, I'm not responsible for them anymore. I'm their counselor. I'm their assistant. I'm their whatever. I'm their daddy. But I'm not responsible. They're an adult. If you can go to war, you can live on your own. Amen? But when you make those choices, you still bring shame on your mom and daddy. The Bible says to honor your father and your mother. Even if you don't like them, honor them. Even if you don't know them, honor them. If you're adopted, honor your biological mother and father. Pray for them. Lord, are they out there? I pray for them. Watch what Peter does. He comes to the place. What does it take to have a true peace in the church? Because the church is so divided today. Listen, can y'all imagine? They did a survey this week. said 56% of Christians said they don't feel safe going back to church. I don't know who they survey when they, they offer these surveys. But I feel pretty safe coming to the house of God. If you cough and listen, you're going to kind of mess with me, okay? If you got a dry cough, go get some water and just sip on it the whole time. If you're sneezing, running, I'm sweating because I'm hot, not because I'm running a fever. But if you feel sick, take precautions, amen? Wear a mask or just separate yourself out. And that's why we've got the white chairs around. We got, you can go anywhere you want to. You can watch by uh, computer. You can watch by your phone. Take precautions. Take care of yourself and take care of your brothers and sisters. Listen, Christians, we don't do the six feet separation. We do seven because seven's the name, the number of God. Y'all right? So we, we take seven feet. So somebody ever asks, is your church social distancing by six feet? Say, no, Town Creek Baptist Church has seven feet. We go one more than y'all do because that's the number of God. That's the number of completeness. We don't do six feet. We do seven. All right? Separate yourself if you're sick or if you're at risk. We're not fools. When it rained last night in the storm, how many of y'all went, ah, I love the rain. I love the thunder. I love the wind. Were y'all so dumb to go out in that mess? If you did, something's wrong with you. You need to see one of our doctors or somebody, right? If you ran on that storm last night, I just love the storm, I love the storm, I love the storm, and, and running, let the lightning strike me, I'm trying to outrun it. Something's wrong with you, amen? Come on, amen? amen. And if in the middle of this pandemic you walk around, everybody's like, I'm sucking it, I'll lick doorknobs, I'll, come on, I'll show you what, I, I, faith, I'm going to live by faith. That's foolishness. That's as dumb as running in the storm, would you agree? Take care of yourself. Take care of your brothers and sisters. Listen, cover up whatever you got to do. When I went to Wendy's doctor, I wear a mask. I hate every second of it. But I got a mask in my car. Or mask. Right? More than one mask. I have many. We're going to offer them at school when school starts back. We're not going to force kids to wear a mask. But when school starts back at Town Creek Christian Academy, we will actually have masks available for our students. Something we're going to have to offer because we're not going to force it, but we're going to offer it. We're willing to do everything we can for our brothers and sisters in Christ. Because people are coming from all different places. Jesus, look at you know, Jesus is the Prince of Peace. This is how you have true peace in the church. You don't just say, give me the peace, Lord. You bring him here, right? When the Prince is here, guess what happens? You might love or, or dislike the President of the United States. Doesn't matter. There's been, uh, I don't know that I've ever had a love relationship with any of them that says I've been living. But when the President of the United States rolls in, Guess what happens? It's called what's called in the Navy, it's called a flagship. You got officers, commanding officers. But when the president shows up, the USS America, when, when President Bush came, uh, when I was in, I'm dating myself, guess what happens? Everything shuts down, the flags go up, it says, the uh, commander in chief is here. He's here. Guess what he brings when he comes to the ship or comes to wherever location it is? He brings the authority with that title to the place. Amen? 
governor does the same thing. Any official, when it comes in, that's a high-ranking official, look overseas. When you see the limousines riding, there's flags flying on the front. What does it say? Look at the planes that fly. Air Force One, the number one, right? You come to the place, look at what the Prince of Peace does. When Jesus comes to town, and wherever he goes, his peace goes with him. True? So when, listen, where does he live through the power of the Holy Spirit? Where does Jesus live? He said he lives in me. He said in Matthew 28, you will make disciples of all nations. You'll go make disciples. You will baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And you will teach them everything I've taught you. And remember, I'm going with you. So wherever you went this week, whatever you watched this week, whatever you did this week, whether it were good or bad, if it was holy living, Jesus did it with you if you're a Christian. If it was unholy living, guess what? You forced him to do it with you. Anybody want to take Jesus drinking with you? Go drink alcohol? Go party with Jesus? Anybody? You'd be ashamed of if he appeared. Why would you do it when he's not appearing? Because he says, I'll never leave you, and I'll never forsake you. As you're going, listen, as you're going, make disciples. He's with you everywhere you go. When you lay your head on that pillow tonight, he's with you. When you take your nap this afternoon, he's with you. When you're at the dry cleaners or wherever you might be, if you're at the Washington, listen, Laundromat, wherever you might be, if, if you're at Walmart, he's with you. Wherever you go, listen, why can't you say a good word for him? You might not have a chance if you're working in a place to actually come down and, and break it down for somebody, the gospel. But you might say, listen, Jesus loves you. Why are you smiling all the time? Why are you always so happy? Some of you can't say that because some of you look like you're recovering from a hookworm disease, right? right? Jesus loves me, this I know. Right? Smile because he loves you. I have bad days. Now, when you have bad days, we understand. But if you've got a permanent frown from frowning your whole life, try to exercise those muscles and push it up. Right? Put toothpicks in there or something. Right? Smile and tell somebody, listen, Jesus loves you. Try it. Right? Dude, you guys were kids once, so I know it's still in you, okay? So even the children. Are y'all watching me? Watch me. Everybody show me your worst frowny face. Worst. Your worst mad like I'm... I'm out of here, face. Now try to say Jesus loves you with that face. Jesus loves you, right? It don't work. It don't go together. Now smile and try to say it to your neighbor. Try to say it. Smile at your neighbor and tell him, your husband and wife, Jesus loves you. If you're smiling, it brings joy. And then you get to say, well, I have joy because Jesus is first in my life. Others are second in my life. And then myself, my, you come last. J-O-Y, Jesus, others, and yourself. If you put that priority in, listen, what did God say? The greatest commandment is to first love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Number two is like it. Listen, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Probably some of y'all's problem is you don't love yourself. You want this perfect model. You want this, what this magazine said, what this song says you're supposed to be. We're trying to find in who are we. And let me tell you who you are if you're a Christian. You're a blood-bought saint of the living God. You're exactly as the apostle Peter was. You're not the apostle, but you're the same as him. You're saved the same way. And your destination is exactly the same as his, which is heaven with Jesus Christ forever. Find your confidence. Find out your self-identification, who you are. Find it in Christ, because only in Christ can you be changed. Otherwise, you're just a sinner who's going to hell. When you gain weight, listen, somebody said, Pastor, you should be taking the steps. I said, I've worked 50 years for this body. Why would I want to run it now? I said that weekly, and I need to lose this body, right? I need to get rid of some of it. 
where we come to the place, listen, this don't define me. My bald spot don't define me. I'm driving the bus for the kids on the horse of, is a horse, and the kids are playing with drawing circles on my bald spot They're tr- without touching me. I've been to, in airplanes with teenagers and colleges. I fall asleep in the airplane, and I wake up, and people say, what's that on your head? And I'm like, what? I look down, there's a smiley face and permanent magic marker on my head. Yeah, this is the kind of respect the pastor gets. But you know what? I'm the pastor of Town Creek Baptist Church, but I'm still Clint. If y'all see my mom every Sunday, she kisses me with red lipstick on and leaves lips on my face. She calls the pastor honey. Don't do that, by the way, unless you're Wendy or my mom. Because I, I won't accept it, right? That's why I don't like Waffle House, because all the ladies call me honey, and I don't like it. I'm a customer. I don't want to be called honey. I know it's a term of endearment in the South, but I still don't like it. I like it for my wife and for my mother. Listen, when the Prince of Peace comes, he brings, he brings all the peace that you can stand. You don't have to say, listen, and it, it even says this in the Bible, it's the peace that passes all understanding. He challenged his disciples to go with him and take the gospel to the whole world. That's in Matthew 28. The church accepted the challenge. Uh, and, listen, and through the power of the Holy Spirit, and to this point, it's turned the world upside down. Do you know that's actually, look at that verse, and we'll get there in Acts 17 in about five years, I think, when we get out of chapter 10. They turned the world upside down. That's what they were accused of. Wouldn't you like for somebody to be down on your grave when you die? This man, this woman was accused of turning the world upside down for Jesus Christ. Or this man made a billion dollars and had everything he could stand. This woman had a billion dollars and she had everything the world had to offer, but she didn't know Jesus. Which one would you like to have said? I want to hear well done, that good and faithful servant. Let me show you this real quick from the Word of God. And I've got to get back and read the Word of God too. How the church prospered in peace. Let me go back into, let me go to the scripture now, verse 32. Now it came to pass. Don't you love those words in your Bible? That means it happened. As Peter went through all the parts of the country, and some of your Bible just says throughout all, he also came down to the saints who dwelt in Lydda, or Lydda, right? Old town in Israel still, uh, if you reference that in Google, you can actually still find that town. There he found a certain man named, what does your Bible say? You get to the place? It's, it's, one of, it's a Greek word, obviously come to the place. What's his name? Aeneas, listen, Aeneas, you come to the place, it was Mr. A. Right? This was a real person. Real Peter came to a real person in the, listen, the church. And Ananias, what does he do? He had been bedridden eight years and was paralyzed. He had an accident. This was not, he wasn't born this way, because the Bible always tells us if a man was born this way. This man had an accident of some type, whether he fell off the roof, whether he actually fell off a horse, whether if he was plowing in the field and the, and the bull or oxen kicked him. We don't know what happened, but he's paralyzed, can't walk. He's actually, he was been paralyzed, he has been paralyzed for eight years. Well, then you start reading this going, wait a minute, whoa, how do we do this? You got to back up to verse 32. Why are there saints there? This, this town called Lida. Lida, if you look at your Bible, Jerusalem, uh, this is a terrible map, but I'm going to do it backwards, okay? Jerusalem's up here, Lida's over here, and Joppa, we're going to talk about, it's up here, okay? Samaria's right here. Got it? Is that a good, terrible map? Should have put it up there. Jerusalem is up, always up. Samaria, Lida. Joppa, and Capernaum, we'll talk about that in a couple weeks, all right? So these are coastal towns. We come to the place, watch what happens. There's already saints there before Peter gets there. Well, who's been preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ to these people? Because the church just got started a little bit ago. So why are there people here already that are Christians? When it says saints of God, that's us, that's you and me. 
got to go back to chapter 1, verse 8. What did Jesus say? Go back with me and look. Have a look, quick. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem. That's where they started. So whenever they ask you about your faith, where did your faith start? Your faith started in Jerusalem. You have a Middle Eastern faith. We always think about Islam. If somebody asks you, what faith started in the Middle East? You'd say, Islam or some other Asian. No, it was the Christianity that started there. This is where Jesus started, in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Where are they? Go back over and you'll see. Chapter 8, what happened in chapter 8, verse 1. We read about this really quick. Chapter 8, verse 1. Now Saul was consenting to at his death, that's Stephen's death, and at that time a great persecution arose against the church which was at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions. What did they do? Look at verse 4, chapter 8, verse 4. Therefore those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. We know Philip and Ethiopian. The Ethiopian, they, they meet somewhere between the road of Gaza and Jerusalem and Gaza. Philip encounters the Ethiopian. He shares the gospel in Romans, I mean, in Isaiah 53. The Ethiopian understands, receives Jesus Christ. He believes. He says, I believe on the name of Jesus Christ. The Ethiopian goes south into the continent called Africa, and he preaches the word of Jesus Christ, and he took the gospel to Ethiopia. But Philip is taken away by the Spirit to a place called Azotus, which is Jerusalem, Samaria, Lydda, Joppa. Azotus is down here. If you were scattered, I asked this in our Bible study class this morning. If you were scattered, I want you to raise your hand and answer me out loud, okay? If you were scattered, forget your husband and wife just for a moment. You're all by yourself, just you. This is your druthers. You ever heard that from Georgia? I'd rather have this than that. All right, if you had your choices, where would you go if you had to be scattered? You can't go to New Alton. I'm out of Aiken County. Paul, Saul has come to town. He's persecuting the church of God here in Aiken, and we got to go because our family depends on it, or i got to go because i got to do it. i got to get away and save my life. Where would you go? Somebody raise your hand and tell me where you'd go. Out of Bacon County, where would you go? Lake, to the lake, okay? To the mountains. Anybody else? Where would you go? To the, to, uh, to the beach. You need the gospel if you go to the beach. Anybody else? Where would you go? Jamaica, all right? To the islands, all right? Where else? Anybody? New York. <laughs> Gross. All right, now. Upstate's beautiful, though. Upstate and Long Island is nice. All right? So watch what happens. We all have our choices. And I look at Philip. How did these saints get here in this church called Adelida? And at Joppa? How'd they get there? Philip goes and preaches. Philip was not Philip the apostle. He was just called Philip the deacon. And later he's called the evangelist. And I think Philip liked the beach. And I think God put it in his heart to like the beach. My wife loves the beach. Now, I gotta, listen, I'm going to tell you all this. <clears throat> Edisto First Baptist Church was looking for a pastor when we were on vacation. And I wrote down, me and my son, me and Alex went to church, and I said, they're looking for a pastor down here. And she goes, now, Wendy knows we've been called here, but, she's, but it, she was tempted. Hey, you sure that you don't want to, we talked later, that you want to put your resume here? I said, I couldn't imagine being the pastor on an island. It never changes. All you see is new faces at summertime. Could you imagine? What outreach? No, we didn't put in. We didn't. We were just going for church. But if Hilton Head comes up, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Just, just kidding. I don't like the beach. Wendy loves the beach. I like the mountains once I get there. I want to get to a cabin and stop. I don't want to drive around those curvy mountains because I get vertigo real bad. And riding around the mountains, there's about two or three of these like this. I'm done. Yes, I served in the Navy with this mess. 
I want to get there and stay. The lake, Matt, I might go with you to the lake. But then the mosquitoes mess me up up there. So I just, I'm just, there's something for about everywhere, right? And that's why I like Aiken. God put this in Philip's heart. I believe Philip was the preacher who going up and down the coast. He goes, if you follow him, he goes straight up the coast. And we're going to see him again later in the book of Acts. We don't see him much anymore. He's still preaching the gospel. And the next time we see him, he has three daughters. And he lets the uh, ministers of God lodge with him. His house is big enough to host the ministers of God. He never got a title other than Philip the deacon or Philip the evangelist. So if you're looking for a title in the kingdom today, you're wasting your time. Because you're a saint of God. You're a minister of God. You're an evangelist. You must give the word of God out. Listen, you come to this place. Look at the, what he does. Peter, quickly, I'll speed up. Look right here what happens. And Peter said to him, he calls his name. Listen, he says, Jesus, the Christ heals you. Arise and make your bed. Then he immediately did what? Arose, he got up whenever the man of God said get up because he said it, not because of Peter. Who did he say it for? In the name of Jesus. And this is to the saint of God. Verse 35, what, remember I told you God don't waste a miracle. What was this miracle for? Look at verse 35. So all who dwelt in Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. This man, listen, this miracle was waiting for God. God was having the right person. He already had Philip come through and preach the gospel. People accepted Christ. Did God let this man be paralyzed so that he could get the gospel to two whole towns? Come on, we want to give, we want to give God a pass. Well, God didn't actually cause it, Pastor. He, he allowed it to happen. Don't you like giving God a pass like that? Did God cause this pandemic so that we might turn to him? This is giving us this little inkling of what's happening, going to happen in the tribulation coming up soon. People are cursing God because of the pandemic. When there's a God who can save you, people are cursing him today. Listen, in the tribulation, the God that can save them, instead of turning to a holy God and saying, God, have mercy on me, a sinner, they're turning to him and saying all kind of curse words and running from him trying to hide. Is that not us today? Is that not us today trying to come to the place that we want to call out God because God didn't let this happen to me, or we want to call out God because this injustice or whatever it might be, we like it the way we like it, and that's how it's supposed to be question the old pastor asked me I told you if you were wrong would you want to know that you're wrong I would and I come to the word of God and guess what it does every time I turn to God's word if I have a prejudice or I have a, some kind of something that leads me astray when I turn to the word of God and says fix it guess what I have to do I have a couple choices I can fix it and obey God or I can walk away from him and not fix it and pay the consequences of living in sin amen you must do what the living word of God says Peter goes on to Joppa. And Peter's being challenged. He's going into some Gentile areas. But God, I'm a Jew. I was raised my whole life not to mess with these people. I don't touch nothing dead. I don't eat that nasty food. It's unclean. That's what I was taught. The traditions of the Father said, don't do this and do this. I wash my hands like this. Before I came met Jesus. Jesus like, wash them off, get on the seat, boys. Right? I had to wash in a certain ceremonial way because the Father said so. It was legalism. Listen, come, look what the church did. Let me jump and jump. How the church prospered in peace. The church boldly preached Jesus as the only way of salvation. Amen. The church was united. The church was united. Can you imagine that? What if the church was united today? How can we change our community for Christ? The church prayed together. They prayed together. The church ate together. That's probably one of my favorite things to do at church. My kids used to, when they were little, love eating at church. 
I guess because of the variety of food, but also being around their friends. It was just something about fellowship together. When you eat together, it's fun. The men out by the grill, the ladies inside. And if we could live a holy life when we come together, listen, how sweet is it for Christians to come together? It's an awesome thing. They ate together. The church worked on mission together. They had a responsibility to put their money together. And you ever heard somebody say, put your money where your mouth is? Don't preach the gospel if you're not going to put your tithe and offering into the plate. Amen? Shut your mouth because you don't believe the gospel. God uses the local church. Some of you rob God on a regular basis. Stick them up, God, because I ain't paying you nothing. And what is he looking for? He don't want your money. Because, by the way, your money is his money. Because he said, okay, you don't want to give him my money. What if he says this? I'll take your breath. Thank you very much. The giver of life that we sing about. What if he takes your life? You think your money's going somewhere? Yeah. In somebody else's account because they're going to get a, your job, right? Or your resources. Have a billion dollar house and a billion dollars in the bank? Die. Tomorrow, guess what happens to that billion dollars? Somebody else is going to get it. Jesus himself said you cannot serve two masters. You cannot serve God and money. People are chasing after We call it, well, pastor says mammon, actually, in the King James, which means great riches. That's I just got to work overtime. I just can't be at church. I got to work overtime. I got to work overtime. I got to work overtime. I just got to pay for this bill. Well, sell that thing that's costing you. If it's caused you all the time to work overtime, be around your family, away from your family. If it's caused you to be away from the family of God, get rid of it. Change your job. Change something in your habits. Get rid of it that God might be glorified. Because, listen, it is not his will that you miss church every single Sunday. You must, listen, come together with his brothers and his children, your brothers and sisters. You must come together. He even said in the word, forsake not your assembling of yourselves together. But, Lord, COVID-19. But, Lord, uh, she made me mad. But, Lord, they hurt my feelings. Have you all heard the word church hurt? Could you imagine the Apostle Paul saying, I got church hurt, so I ain't preaching no more. We wouldn't have half the New Testament. What if Peter said, I got church hurt? Man, those people in Jerusalem, they talked about me. They wouldn't let me do this or let me do that. Did that happen? What about Paul? He was rejected. They're like, we can talk to him. That fool was killing people. He's sneaking in on us. He's a secret agent. I guarantee he's a secret agent. Can you imagine me with the, the apostles in Jerusalem? Man, I ain't letting him in. All he's going to do is try to get in and kill us. I know what he's going to do. We saw what he did to Stephen. We heard about it. He ain't coming with us. And Barnabas says, hey, no, he's real. He's a real deal. Barnabas, come on. But Barnabas had a word because you know what Barnabas did? Barnabas sold a field and he gave it. He was a Levite. He gave a lot of money to the church so they knew he was all in. Right? And they trusted the Holy Spirit and they trusted the people of God that was in the house of God. So Barnabas said, are you an encourager today? You might be with the bridge that brings people together. How divided our church is today if we would only get to the word of God. Listen, the church worked on mission together. The church multiplied and discipled new believers. Have you ever discipled anyone in the faith? You must take somebody from what, listen, I don't know what this thing means, but I'm going to do it. And you go through it and do it. What happens when you teach something, church? You learn twice as much than if you just sit and listen to me. Because you'll walk away from me and go, what was, he talking, what was that about again? Let me read the notes and I'll quickly get out of this. The church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria. Does that sound like Acts 1.8? It enjoyed peace, and the, the Amplified Bible says, without persecution. The church was built up through wisdom. This wisdom only comes from God. The church was built up through virtue. Living in one accord and being led by the Holy Spirit produces fruit. Galatians 5, you can read what it produces. 
Please go read these scriptures to yourself. Have your Bible study. Have your devotions this week. Faith. Faith is the gift of God. It is the connecting power for hope for the church to fulfill God's plan. Go read Hebrews 11. He tells you very clearly who it is. Listen, without faith, you cannot please God. You've got to draw near to him. You've got to trust him for what he says. The church, daily walked in when they walk in. The fear of the Lord. Reverent fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Read Proverbs. Read Hebrews. How many of you are teaching your children to fear the Lord? Well, Lord, that's just a strong-willed child. She's a strong-willed child. Anybody have a strong-willed child? Anyone have a strong-willed brother and sister want to tell the truth, right? All right, I was the strong-willed one. Mackenzie was probably my strongest-willed one. All my kids are different. The church walked in the comfort of the comforter. Who is the comforter? His name is the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost. Number three, the encouragement from the encourager. Who's the encourager? The great encourager is the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost. How to proclaim with power. Here's what we do. Listen, Peter traveled, taking the message of the gospel throughout the countryside. Peter was a man of prayer, and he was a man of action. He was a man of action. Peter encounters a paralyzed man in Lydda. Listen, Peter proclaimed to Ananias, Ananias that Jesus the Christ had healed him. That Jesus healed him, not that Peter healed him. The Catholic Church, the Roman Catholic Church, promotes Peter as the first pope. That is not. Jesus Christ, listen, is the leader of the church. There is no pope. The pope is just a man with a white robe and some chains, right? That's all he is. Archbishops and all those bishops, they're nobody special except just men that a system has created and says these people are special. They're no more special than the man that's homeless living on the street, the woman that's homeless living on the street that has given her heart and life to Jesus Christ. And even some of those people might be more advanced than some of these people that are in positions of religious positions and don't know Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. They know a works-based religion, but they don't know Jesus as their Lord and as their Savior. How much terrible, listen, how much terrible pain they're going to see in the future. This message, verse 35, and the miracle calls many to believe in Jesus. They are in heaven today because of the faithfulness of Peter. Can you imagine that? Woo! These people, listen, they, Philip went and preached first, and they believed, but it was a small crowd. And then the more came, and then Peter comes cruising through, and he, listen, he does the healing, and people said, listen, you were paralyzed, man. We've been bringing your family food for how many years? Eight years. We've been, we've been fixing dinner for you on Wednesday night, every Wednesday night, and now you're walking. What happened? Jesus healed me. Jesus healed me. Can you give credit to the Lord Jesus Christ for your life, your job, your family, everything that you have? Jesus did this. Jesus. Only Jesus. And by the way, I got so carried away when I was talking about how to pray. It should be how to pray with purpose, not how to, how to prayer with purpose. But I guess you can do that too. Peter was implored by the disciples who lived in the coastal city of Joppa to come to their town. Hey, there's some more Christians over here. Come over here. Come over here. Peter came and encountered a dead, rich woman named Tabitha. He said, well, pastor didn't say she was rich. Yes, it does. Read a different translation. Read the Amplified Version. She was rich. What was she rich in? Let's see what the Word of God says. Watch this real quick. we got to see this. What does the Word of God say? And at Joppa, there was a certain disciple named, and by the way, this is the only time in the Bible that a woman is called a disciple. It's a feminine name. Did you know that? You made it? I guess you did. All right. At Joppa, there was a certain disciple named Tabitha, which is translated Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and charitable deeds, which she did. How was she rich? She was rich in good works and charitable deeds. How do we know? The widows said so. Look at the garments that she made. The disciples said so. They went three hours to get Peter. They said, listen, come over here. You've got to come to the beach. Listen, come down to the beach. They believed in the resurrection. Do you know why? What do you do to a dead body, especially the Jewish custom? You don't wash a dead body. What do you do? 
you anoint them with oil, wrap them, anoint them again with spices, and you stick them in a tomb. When Jesus was taken off, did they wash his body? They didn't wash off the blood, the, go- the gore, and all that stuff. They wrapped it with spices. They, it type of, uh, not embalming, but they wrapped his body. They prepared him for burial. These ladies didn't prepare her for burial. They prepared her for getting up in the morning. They gave her her shower. They washed her and laid her in the upper room. You don't put somebody in the upper room that's dead. Where's heat? Heat does what? Rises. What does heat do to a corpse? Rots it faster and makes it stink. They didn't plan for her stinking. They gave her a bath. And they put her in the upper room. They should have wrapped her tightly, put spices on her, and stuck her ready to transport because a Jew can't even touch a dead body, right? Unclean, unclean. This shows you they're leaving the traditions of the fathers, and now they're going actually to the tradition of God the Father. They're listening to God instead of men. And they come to the place, watch what happens. But it happened in those days that she became sick and died. Only a doctor could tell you that. <laughs> she became sick, and she died. I love the scripture. When they had washed her, they laid her in the upper room. And since Lida was near Joppa, and the disciples heard that Peter was over there, they sent two uh, men to him, imploring him not to delay in his coming to them. And then Peter arose, and he went with them. And when he had come, they brought in him to the upper room. And all the widows stood by him, weeping, showing the tunics and the garments which Dorcas, or Tabitha, same name, had made while she was with them. But Peter put them all out and said, Get out, get out of the room. And he knelt down and he prayed. Was he praying toward the body or away from the body? He said, Pastor, I don't know. You don't know because you haven't finished reading. Read with me. Watch what happens. And turning to the body, who was he pray- how was he praying? Away or to? God, I ain't never touched no dead body. I'm going to be unclean if I touch that body, right? But had Peter had this experience, was he in training? Who trained him to do this? And Jesus was in the upper room with this young child, remember the message was sent to Jesus. She's already dead. People, whoa, oh, they're well. He's, she's dead. She's dead. And Jesus is like, everybody get out. So mom and dad, Peter, stay in here. And Jesus commands her to get up. What does Peter do? Let's read and find out. Peter put them all out. And he knelt down and he prayed. And turning to the body, he didn't call it Tabitha. He don't say he turned to Tabitha because where's Tabitha right this moment? Where is she? Because there's no such thing as, ooh, there's no ghost. Ghosts aren't real, by the way. If you don't, kids, ghosts aren't real. Because humans don't die and then float around going, okay, where do I go? They don't do that. They don't, I'm mad, man. You messed my fishing spot up. Isn't that right, Matt? The ghost of the lake? There's no such thing as ghosts. There's evil spirits, and we'll talk about those at a later date. But humans don't die and float around. Or like the Roman Catholics teach going to purgatory. There's no such place in the Bible. It's made up by men so that they can make money. Religious people will make rules so that religious people can get rich. There is no place called purgatory. You go to heaven or you go to hell. There is no in-between. There are no ghosts. So where is Tabitha? She's in the presence of the Lord. She's in paradise. She's in with Jesus Christ. And what does Peter do? He messes everything up. What does he say? Watch. Tabitha, arise. And guess what she did? Well, let's find out. And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. Then he gave her his hand, and he lifted her up. And when he had called, who did he call, church? He called the saints and the widows, the two people that loved her so much that she had served all this time. He called the people of God together and said, listen, there's a miracle going on around this place. Let me show what happened. Because you think Peter was excited and and scared all at the same time? Because Jesus is telling him to do this. He goes, (laughs) he already prayed. God already gave him his command. Tabitha, get up. I'll try it again. 
Tabitha, get up. He didn't keep doing that. What did he do? The Bible records he said, Tabitha, get up. And why did he do that? Because he was, had full faith in the Holy Spirit. He got his command on, from God when he was down on his knees. He knew what he was supposed to do. Listen, even by faith, even when you walk by faith, sometimes a little bit of the, oh, Lord, please, if this don't happen, you know what's about to happen, right? And, you, and somebody, you pray for somebody, you give somebody a word. And by the way, let me share this with you. There are no prophets today either. The prophet in the Old Testament would hear from God. God would speak to the prophet, and the prophet would speak to the people. The priests come along and people would speak to the priest and the priest would speak to the, to the Father. When Jesus Christ died on the cross, when he was buried, and when he rose again, he became our prophet and priest. And listen, you have a direct access to the Father. You don't need no man, no woman. As in between, mediator between you and God, you have direct access to the Father. As a matter of fact, God walks with you. He's with you and he's around you. So when these people come in and say, I want to prophesy for something, what are you going to create in your scripture? Now, I've had God tell me to tell somebody something, which could be considered prophecy. Somebody, you're going to get pregnant. Someone, God's put that message in my heart before. And says, oh, God, are you come on, don't make me tell this person. They've been trying to have a baby for 10 years, and now you're going to tell me they're going to get pregnant, God? That's a word of prophecy if you want to count it as that. But there's no new scripture under the sun. If somebody's going to tell you something new, listen, let me tell you a word from God. It better be from God. And it, I wish kind of we were still in the Old Testament. Sort of, kind of, just me. Because in the Old Testament, you prophesied for God and it didn't come true, they'd stone you to death. Your whole family knew you were a false prophet. Today, we can't tell who's a false prophet because people are saying all kind of mess in the name of the Lord. It's not happening. And then they come back and say, it was your faith that didn't come. They're blaming you. And it's your faith. And your faith. It's your fault. Listen, the righteous prayer, listen, the righteousness and the righteous prayer of a, of a righteous man availeth much, right? Right? James chapter 5, Wendy's here, listen, she can tell you it worked because it was the faith of the elders and it was the faith of Wendy receiving and asking for that. I didn't say, hey, Wendy, come down so we can make a show next Sunday and get people really excited about being healed. And she finds out she still has severe cancer. We go, oh, something messed up. She came by faith. I said, how weird is this? I'm the pastor and I'm your husband. This is weird. If you ask me, I'm your pastor, but she's my wife. But she asked because of what the book of the Bible says, James 5. She asked for anointing from the Holy Spirit of God. Listen, through the elders of the church, we spent some time confessing our sins. And Mary Beth, I know this is sensitive to you, but Brother George came down and prayed as an elder of the church over Wendy and gave her a big hug. He wasn't worried about COVID-19. And less than a week later, he's in heaven with the Lord. You think that's faith and faithfulness? The answer is absolutely. Listen, church, I know we've gone long, but you need to understand this. We've got to unite under the banner of Jesus Christ. Let me finish. Peter was implored by the disciples who lived in the coastal city of Joppa to come to their town. Peter put all the people out of the room. He needed wisdom from God. He has, I don't know what to do. I'm going to ask God. He turned to the body of Tabitha and commanded her to rise. She rose. Peter called the saints together and the widows to celebrate what Jesus did and presented Tabitha alive. And we're reading this message um, 2,000 years later. And guess what happened in Joppa? Many people believed on the Lord. Why do we meet? Why do we preach? Why do we get equipped? My job is to equip you for the work of the ministry. You've got to do the work. Now, I've still got to do my work. Some of people say, just feed me, just feed me, just feed me. <clears throat> when I first got here, some of you know the people. Well, I ain't being fed by the pastor. Well, then go seven days till next week. Don't put a spoon or fork to your mouth or drink and see how hungry you get between now and next Sunday. 
I didn't say what I wanted to say, and I won't say it publicly because some of those people still watch us. They sneak and watch us sometimes still. But it's not my job to feed you. Do you understand? It's my job to equip you and go out and live like the body of Christ. Be united. Work across lines. Listen, work together. Go to, uh, across borders. Share the gospel. And make Jesus' name famous. That's our responsibility. That's your challenge today. Get out and preach the gospel and make his name famous. Listen, proclaim his name that many may believe in the name of the Lord. Come to the place that you have peace in your life, that you're stable enough. Some people say, my emotions are so, I'm so unstable. Get a hold of yourself. Amen? Get a doctor to help you with medication if you need it, but get a hold of yourself because the Holy Spirit of God can guide you in ways that, listen, he'll give you peace that passes understanding. This is 2,000 years old, and it's still true today because he's the same God. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, forevermore. Have the confidence that he says you are who you, he says you are. Understand? Not your age. Young people, not your age. Senior adults, not your age. Isn't it amazing when you're young? I'm too young to do it. When you get old, I'm too old to do it. When are you supposed to do it? Right now, at all ages, there's no retirement age in the kingdom of God. we got to get busy, church. Listen, I believe Jesus is coming again. I know persecution's coming, but I believe Jesus is coming soon. we got to be busy about the work of the Lord. Let's stand together and pray before the Lord as the musicians come. Father God, how we love you and how we know that you love us. Your word is so powerful today, Lord. Sometimes we read this and we just discount it and move on. Help us, Lord, not to get enough of this. Lord, like we're excited about the new ride at Six Flags or excited about something new, that's excitement for the day or the week or the next time we go and then it fades off. But Father, this excitement comes from the Holy Spirit. And Lord, you, you, Lord, you come to the place that you excite us to be about your word and about your business. Oh, Father, we need your help because we're just humans and you know that. And we know that you know that. But you've equipped us through your word. Help us to go out, Lord, and be the people who proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. We, we proclaim peace because we have the Prince of Peace, not because, just because we know about him. We know him, and he knows me. And he lives in me. I praise you, Lord, that we can actually go and proclaim, that we can preach that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior, even if in the future it costs us our life and our brothers and sisters around the world Lord, be with them because, well, I know you're with them already. Lord, let them be bold in the, in the face of persecution. Father, let us be men and women of prayer, young people of prayer, who don't want the status quo. They don't, we don't care what the magazine or online presence says. Lord, we don't care what all the status of society says. We want to be different. We want to be holy. We need your help. Oh, Father, would you help us? Let us be people of God you want us to be. Lord, live that exciting, bold life for Jesus. In Christ alone, I pray. Amen.